I want to bring you a message talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. When I look at the book of Luke, I know we're going to be talking, we're getting into Christmas season, come on. I heard this once that you can't celebrate Christmas, I mean uh, Thanksgiving uh, or Christmas until we get past Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But looking at the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, a lot of my travels, I get a chance to travel. And through one of those travels, I was going through the airport, and I, sh- I saw this T-shirt. I was going to buy it, but then I got convicted by the Holy Spirit. I couldn't buy it. But it says, like a good neighbor, stay over there. You know, the Holy Spirit does not want to stay over there. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit wants to come in us and live inside of us and lead us by his Spirit. You know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit and followers of Jesus, oftentimes we want Jesus, but we reject the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort us and lead us, and he makes us to be more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit and Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit was working even before the birth of Christ. The Holy Spirit played a major role, not just during the birth of Jesus, but even prior to the birth of Jesus. In the Old Testament, you know, the Bible is uh, 66 books in the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The last book of the Old Testament, it was in between before the Old and the New. It was 500 years, they say, when God went silent. But before that time happened, God spoke to a prophet by the name of Malachi. In the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, here's what it says. He says, he he prophesies, and he talks about a time of when not just Christ was going to come, but John the Baptist in the ministry there in the gospel. But it says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. The gospel is all about reconciliation. It's a God that loves to not tear things apart, but to bring things together again. That's why I love the gospel. Jesus wants to restore communities, cities, and even nations through the person of Jesus. In the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 14, we read about this man by the name of John the Baptist. He was the Elijah that was to come. Scripture says, prophesied about him, he will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. In other words, it was a Nazarite vow. From the very, from even before he was born, he was to be set apart for the things of God. I believe like never before, God wants to set your children apart so that they can do great things for the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Scripture says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. In Luke chapter 1 verse 30, not just John the Baptist, but we read about the coming Messiah, Christ himself. The angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked, how will this be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? I love what it says here. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I love verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. His promises are not just true. His promises are trustworthy. We can put our faith and trust in him. What I love about the book of Luke is because the Holy Spirit spoke through people before the Holy Spirit even spoke through Christ. I want you to see this in In the book of Luke chapter 2, there was a prophet, a priest named Simeon. Scripture says as they were waiting for this Messiah, they didn't know what he was going to look like. They didn't understand, but when Jesus showed up, it made sense. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or the comforter of Israel to come. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. The Holy Spirit revealed Christ, but the Holy Spirit also moved him to the place of God. It says here, the prophet, prophetess Anna, listen to her story. There was also a prophet, Anna, at that time, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Ashur. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years. Check out her testimony. After her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. If there was ever a woman in Scripture, she could have said, God, I'm angry. God, why did you give me a husband and then take him away? But the scripture says she never left the temple of God. She worshiped, she prayed, and she fasted. She didn't get bitter, she got better. She said, God, despite my circumstances, my eyes remain on you. She gave thanks to God and she spoke about this child who we were looking for, for the redemption of Jerusalem. Jesus, or or the Holy Spirit, was working at the birth of Jesus. But do you know that the Holy Spirit is also working in us before we even get saved? I was 19 years old before I gave my life to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, although I did not know this, the Holy Spirit was drawing me to himself even before I came into a relationship with him. God knew exactly where I lived He knew my name and his desire, the scripture says, is that none shall perish, but all to come to eternal life. But the Holy Spirit is working before even our birth in Christ. John chapter 3 verse 3 says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. In chapter 3 verse 5 through 8, He goes on to speak to this guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a a religious man. 
He was one of the Jewish teachers and, and, and rabbis. And, but he should have known this, but yet he did not know. So Jesus got into this back and forth conversation with him, trying to understand or trying to show him what does born again mean. The scripture says, Jesus answered, I very truly tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again or born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you should be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it will be with everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't just working at the birth of Christ or before the birth of Christ. The Holy Spirit was also working in the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, the ministry we call is just one that serves. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. When it comes to ministry, we use the word anointing. Anointing. It's an anointing that comes from above. The Holy Spirit empowers us and anoints us to do his work. Look in Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 19. Jesus was going into a place just like this. It was a synagogue. And unlike a spirit-filled church, there was in a synagogue you had to read certain scripture verses on that particular day. You couldn't just open up the word and say, hey, let's, let's go here or jump here. We call it the dip and skip. You can't do that. They gave the scrolls to Jesus, and it was the very words he was supposed to read at that time. And he opens it and watch Jesus. Scripture says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim or to share or to tell or to declare good news to the poor. When scripture talks about the poor, it doesn't refer to people that don't have much money. It could be you can have so much money in the world but still be broke in your spirit. When Jesus was on the scene, if you read the gospels, he was reaching people who were outcasts, those who were, who were put away, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and the, 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 the sort of the religious people, they were angry. They said, if he knew the person that this was that you were ministering to, and Jesus said this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus said, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more, come on somebody, do we need the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives? When I talk about the Holy Spirit, we'll be learning a little bit more tonight. I'm praying that God will minister tonight during those, this service at 630. believe people are going to be filled and healed by his name. But there are two dimensions of the Holy Spirit 
and his ministry to us. There's the inward working of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the outward working of the Holy Spirit. First, the inward working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there. The scripture says that when I ask Christ to come into my life, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives in me. He tells me that I'm saved, that I belong to God. There's a chorus or a hymn I used to love to sing, I still love to sing it, called Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I love that, that, that song. Why? Because the Holy Spirit reminds me that I belong to him. I don't need to ask anybody in the room. I don't need to ask my wife. I never ask the question, hey, am I saved? Am I born again? Am I going to heaven? The Holy Spirit himself tells me that I belong to God, that I'm on my way to heaven, and that I am a child of the Most High God. Come on, somebody. It's the Holy Spirit. You know what else? You say, well, how do I know I'm saved? Do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can bear fruit for his glory? The scripture says that many times we don't know who the disciples are unless they love one another. They love one another. See, I can heal people. I can see people filled with the Spirit. We can perform miracles. But if I don't have love in my heart, I got nothing. Jesus, he teaches me how to love people, even difficult people. You know why? Because if he was willing to love a sinner like me, who am I to withhold my love for someone else? But the Holy Spirit helps us to bear fruit, love, joy. Peace, patience, never pray for patience. It will come all on its own. Gentleness. You know what I believe we need the Holy Spirit to help us with more now than ever before? To be kind. To be gentle. To forgive. To see people healed by the love of Almighty God. To be self-controlled. But also the Holy Spirit purifies us. He purifies us. He makes us whole. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that even when I sin against God, I can come to him and the Holy Spirit is there to purify me from all sin. So that's the inward working of the Holy Spirit. But what about the outward working of the Holy Spirit? The outward working of the Holy Spirit found in the book of Acts. We'll be talking more about this tonight. But in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin to speak in this other tongue that no one ever heard before. You say, what was that? It's for power. That the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just live in me. But the Holy Spirit wants to come upon me so that I can do what God's called me to do. The Holy Spirit also gives us gifts. Did you know that when I got saved, I didn't just receive salvation, but the Holy Spirit has given me gifts that I didn't know I had. I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I don't have every gift of the Spirit. You know what gift I do not have? Pastor, pastor has this gift called the gift of administration. I don't have that gift. My wife has that gift. I'm telling, she keeps everything organized. She knows how to put things in its place. I don't know how to do that. I'm a work in progress. Come on, am I the only one here that's a work in progress? 
But I don't get angry because she has the gift of administration. No, no, no. I embrace those gifts. Why? Because the same spirit that gave him the gift is the same spirit that gave me maybe a different gift. But why does the Holy Spirit want to give us gifts? It's for the common good so that we can lift one another up and see the kingdom of God explode for the glory of God. But the Holy Spirit also wants to work through us in power. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower us so that he can work through us. There are so many different roles that I see as I read scripture. The functions of the person of the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives and ministry. I want to talk just about a few. I'll just give you a little list, small list. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, here's what he does, not limited to this. He will guide you when you're lost. He will help you when you're weak, strengthen you when you're weary, remind you when you're discouraged, teach you when you're confused and don't know, speak to you if you're willing to listen, convict you when you get off, comfort you when you grieve, heal you when you're sick, and empower you when you're afraid. The Holy Spirit is so good to us. He is there to bring glory to God and the person of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit ministry to us, the first area he helps us in is in the area of prayer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, the greatest ministry Jesus ever had was the ministry of prayer. It says in the book of Luke chapter 5, verse 16, often he would, would, he would go away, get away to lonely places where he prayed. The Holy Spirit wants also to get us alone so that we can spend time with him and that he can spend time with us. But we see Jesus always praying. Remember he prayed before he chose the 12 disciples? Scripture says he prayed all night long. If Jesus had to pray about the people that came into his life, shouldn't we? He prayed. Scripture says he prayed for children. He prayed before the biggest fish fry ever, two fish, five loaves, 5,000 people. Could you imagine if you had 5,000 people coming to your backyard for a barbecue? That would teach you how to pray real quick. Jesus prayed for the sick. He prayed for God's will. He prayed in the garden before he went to the cross, and he even prayed for his enemies. He was always a person of prayer. Prayer, led by the Holy Spirit, leads us to miracles. I love reading stories of missionaries and what they go through on the field, and I love reading stories, period, of, of miracles. One was a, an individual uh, behind me is, is uh, b the Buntains. And the Buntains had over 50 years of ministry there in Calcutta, India. Calcutta, India, there's about 20 million people there. That's where I go to oftentimes minister. And the reason why I'm able to go and minister, even though both of them are now gone with the Lord, the reason why is because of what the Lord did through these two individuals. 
recently, Huldah Montaigne, the wife, after her husband died suddenly, she took on the ministry. She was in India flying back and forth even at the age of 93 and 94. It was incredible. But one of the stories that I love, they said that in India where the church is built now, where we, we minister, through, the, through this couple, they feed 30,000 people twice a day. Through this couple, they have a ministry of schools where they call it garbage pickers, where oftentimes it's extremely poor, but they built the school so that the children can be educated and, and teach them a trade. They have a ministry that pulls women and children out of sex trafficking. I mean, I can go on and on about this ministry. One of the things that I heard that before they built the church in India, they get bad, bad rainstorms. And uh, where they built the church, uh, they were just before building it, they had to kind of, you know, open up the ground. And the architect came by and said, you cannot build a church here. It is probably one of the wettest spots in all of India. You cannot build a church here. Well, Mark, they said, was always praying. And they said, well, he said, absolutely not. He goes, I'm going to pray. You come back next day, and I, I'm going to pray that all this water is gone so that we can begin to build. They thought Mark was crazy. Mark pulled out a string, and it's on the video. He pulled out a string, and he tied it around a personal size Bible. He let it down where the water was. And they said, as the Bible went down, the water began to go down. And they said by the time they got there the next day, all the water was gone. They say even today, that is the driest spot in all of Calcutta, India. It's incredible. But here's a story that one of his sort of um, uh, uh, men uh, mentees learned from him. And he writes it here about Brother Buntain. It was a year, 1985. I was a graduate student at the University of Missouri in Springfield, in Columbia, Missouri. It was late at night, nearing 11, and he and I were driving home after several meetings uh, there in Missouri for, like, the, the, you know, the Assemblies of God. As we were nearing Camden, Missouri, a small town in the Lake of the Ozarks, he said, I am longing for some hot coffee. Most of the places seemed to be closed, and he continued praying. At a distance, I saw a restaurant with the open sign flickering. He was so happy, and he had quite the drive still to go to Columbia, uh, Missouri. I parked the car, and I hurriedly walked to the restaurant. Mark knocked on the door as it was locked. In a few moments, a lady opened the door. Her face looked as if she was crying as she quickly wiped away her tears. Mark, as he did so, he continued. He said, "Is there? can I still have some coffee? Is coffee still being served? She said, I am closing for the night, but some coffee is available on the, on the, on the stove. Please come in. While she was in the kitchen, Mark was praying, and shortly she came with two mugs of hot coffee. Mark took a couple sips, and I noticed he seemed very restless. He excused himself, and he started talking to the lady. He was praying as she knelt down. Shortly, she had a bright smile, and she loudly exclaimed, Thank you, Jesus, for guiding these men here. You have saved my life. As we got into the car, Mark was praying, Thank you, Savior, for one more soul to serve you today. Mark told me that that lady was about to commit suicide as she pointed a loaded gun to her head. Just then, she heard a knock at the door. Spirit-filled people are sensitive to the assignment that the Holy Spirit has for us today. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Secondly, 
the Holy Spirit also helps us in temptation. Now, none of us in this room gets tempted, I'm sure. So I'm not talking, referring about you. You guys are like holy rollers, man. You are, you and Jesus are like so tight, you don't get tempted. Scripture says even Jesus was tempted, yet he was without sin. But temptation looks a lot different for many of us. I know for my wife, this is a huge temptation right here. Whenever she sees this logo, something happens in her body. I mean, they're planning these sort of coffee churches everywhere. Do you see them? Everywhere. They're everywhere. And uh, so, so sometimes I, I tell us if this is a major temptation because the coffee here costs about $25 for like just a little bit. I said, babe, we're on a budget. We can't afford this stuff, you know. So whatever. This may be a temptation to some or, or not. But this next, this next place is not a temptation to me. This is a conviction. Like whenever I see these places, I never look at the sign and go, I long to be in there. Oh, Lord, please take it away because I'm so tempted to go in. No, no, no. This is a conviction. I drive by and I go, I should be in there. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have memberships and stuff and $10 a month. And, you know, when you look at this and you go, I need to go in there. It's been about 10 years since I had my membership and I have not used it. Come on, somebody. But every year you say, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. You are not going in there. So for some it's temptation. Others it's a conviction. But come on, somebody. This next one. This is not temptation. This is God's chicken. Come on now. It's not open on Sunday. We're still working through some things, but it's all good. You eat this, you don't get, there's no weight added to you. I'm talking, this is chicken from heaven. Chicken from heaven. But the Holy Spirit does help us during times of temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be Tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let me just share this with you. If Satan tempted Jesus, he's going to tempt you too. But I look at the three top ways the enemy loves to tempt us. The first way is temptation to listen to the words or the voice of the enemy. This one right here, I don't know about you, but this one right here is where we need the Holy Spirit to anoint our heads. The anointing of the Spirit. Why? Because it keeps the thoughts away. Some of us, we have thoughts running through our minds all day that are not true. Do you know sometimes when the enemy speaks to you and he kind of puts those thoughts in your mind, we worry about things that never even happen. When he attacks your thoughts, it consumes your, your feelings and your emotions. Literally, it drives you insane. Do you know why the good shepherd anoints the head of the animal? So that he can keep the flies away. Oh, I don't like walking in a bowl of the mats. They are annoying. The voice of the enemy is annoying. He knows what thoughts tick you off. But the person of the Holy Spirit is able to keep my mind steadfast on him. Come on, somebody. 
the temptation to listen to the voice of the enemy. They say that men, as, as, as men, we speak and we have thoughts, uh, different thoughts, about 60,000 of them per day. Can you imagine? Women, you're up to 100,000. I just wonder why. But think about this. What do we think about all day long? Sometimes we give permission for the enemy to just keep laying those thoughts on us. Lay on those thoughts. Come on. Lay on those. That is not the truth of the Holy Spirit. Can we condition our minds and say, Lord, I'm only going to listen to what is true, to what is right, to whatever is noble, to whatever is trustworthy, to whatever is pure? Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to fix my thoughts on you. What about the second temptation? This is real. The temptation to give up. Throw in the towel. I'm done. Can I tell you this? It's easy to quit. Jesus had every right to quit, but he didn't. Why? Because he was on mission. As the body of Christ, hear me, we will have feelings, thoughts that will consume us to throw in a towel. There's nothing wrong with the temptation. There's everything wrong if we give in to the temptation. May we say, Lord, even when I'm tempted to give up, even when I'm tempted to throw in the towel, even if I'm tempted to give up on my marriage, even if I'm tempted to give up on my children, even if I'm tempted to give up on this business, even if I'm tempted to leave my post, Jesus... Let the mission of God carry me through. The temptation to give up is real. I was um, ministering at a, a youth something, youth something. And it was on a Friday night, and I was so tired. They had the service in Long Island. Long Island is long. Takes long to get there. I'm driving for an hour going, I got two more hours? This is crazy. I'm like, Lord, you got to help me. It's 7 o'clock at night. It's raining. It's this. I'm like, Lord, you got to show up, Lord. We get there. It was so powerful. I had a, uh, the opportunity of speaking through an interpreter at, at our Spanish Fellowship of the Assemblies of God to students. It was powerful. I got done speaking. I just felt like the, the Holy Spirit wasn't done. A young girl, she was about 15 years old. She came up to the front. I watched the Holy Spirit move upon this young girl. She got so overwhelmed by the goodness of God, she began to fall to her knees. I went down beside her because she began to just kind of shake a little. And I, you know, just as a dad, I'm, I'm a preacher, but I'm also a dad. And I just kind of went by her, and I just kind of whispered the promises of God in her ear. And I watched the Holy Spirit just settle her. She got back up, she came to, she sat on a chair, and she whispered these words in my ears that I will never forget. She said this, I tried killing myself tonight, but it didn't work. The temptation to give up. And I watched God breathe purpose back into this young girl's life. The youth leaders got a hold of this. They came around her. They're now watching her and helping her process through these things. Could you imagine? Scripture says if two sparrows fall to the ground, doesn't he know about it? How much more precious are you in his sight? You matter to him. 
You are valuable to God. You are the apple of his eye. Let him love on you today. Lastly, not just the temptation to give up, but what about this one? The temptation to talk too much. Oh, God, help me. But I got to say something. No, you don't. You don't. I, hear me, please. Hear my heart because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in this season. You know what he told me? He said, Jamal, shut up. I said, Lord. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. He said, while the world is going crazy, I need you to keep your mouth shut, your eyes open, and your ears in tune to what I have to say. It's so much better when the Holy Spirit does the speaking. Oftentimes, I'm like, but Lord, I got something to say. Who cares about what you have to say? No one cares. I went, oh, Lord, okay. Too much of us are blowing our testimony. Because we can't control our mouths. Read the book of James. You will be wise if you. The greatest thing I told yesterday in my marriage, I know when to shut up. I'm, I'm being honest, and that's very spiritual. Lord, help me to control this. Because the scripture says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, that's why we need to be full of the Spirit. Because when we're full of the Spirit, when we open up our mouths, we do what the Spirit desires us to do. I don't know about you, but my life goes so much better when I'm operating in the fullness of the Spirit. I'm so much better. I think clearly. I, I pray better. I love better. I lead better. It's just everything is better. Temptation to talk too much is real. Lord, in this season, help us to listen to, the, to you, Lord. Lord, when we don't have the words to speak, you said the Holy Spirit will help us. He will speak for us. Maybe Bonnie and the team can begin to come. Surely the Holy Spirit wants to come upon us. And he wants to empower us so that we can do mighty things for him. But the greatest thing I can ever do is be a strong man of God. The greatest testimony I have is not all the people we can reach in Pakistan. Nope. The greatest testimony I have is the woman that's across from me, my wife my children. The greatest testimony I have is that Jesus saved me and I get to live in the fullness of his joy, the fullness of the blessing and favor of God that has nothing to do with the material. But he's so good to us. And this is my prayer this weekend, even tonight, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to just work in us. Here's what's scary. What's scary is my heart can get extremely hard in a moment. But the Holy Spirit is there.
to help me to humble myself. Scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me from all unrighteousness. Scripture says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that we have fellowship with him and the blood of Jesus washes us of all our sin. Wow. I want to walk in the light. I want, I want to say, Holy Spirit, just use me. Use me. Lord, don't, don't just use me over in Pakistan. Use me with my next door neighbor. It was, it was Veterans Day not too long ago. And thank God for my wife. My wife is so in tune with the Spirit of God. She said, Jamel, quickly, come over to the house. She goes, it's Veterans Day. I said, I've never served in the military. My wife never served in the military. I said, honey, what's going on? Well, you need me to come home already quickly. She goes, quick, Mission Barbecue. We have a Mission Barbecue. It's a restaurant right near us. And she goes, they feed all the veterans for free. She goes, I go, babe, but I'm not a veteran. Don't you dare take that meal. She goes, it's for our neighbor. My neighbor gets no visitors. My neighbor's a veteran. But every once in a while, we want to bless our neighbor and let them know that he matters to God. So we got the, the barbecue thing, whatever, knocked on the door. Joe, thank you for, for your service. Thank you for serving your country. And I want you to know you matter to God. PJ, no, I can't. Hey, listen, man, this thing is hot and heavy. If you don't want it, I'm going to take it. But it's the nudges that the Holy Spirit gives you. Acts of kindness goes a long way. Before we tell people about Jesus, have we spoken to Jesus about the people we are about to share them with? It's called the attitude of prayer. What would it look like if First Assembly continues to be a strong light and witness in this community? There in Newark, where we pastored, Someone posed a very difficult question for me that I never got rid of. And they said, if your church closed today, would anyone in the community realize it? That changed everything for me. That we are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And I'm praying during this season, God will use you to lead others to Jesus. Would you stand with me all over this wonderful place? You've been so wonderful, so kind. I don't want us to miss an opportunity here. I believe that the Holy Spirit is drawing us to himself. I believe that the Holy Spirit, you say, why? Because the Holy Spirit's job is just to glorify Jesus. He wants to make everything simple and clear. Our minds can get so far off. Our emotions can get so far, but the Holy Spirit draws me back to what really matters. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about the kingdom of this world. The Bible says everything around me is going to fade away, but oh, the kingdom of God will last and it will stand for all eternity. He says not the least stroke of the pen will ever be erased, but his word is eternal. First assembly of God. Can we respond to this altar call to say, Holy Spirit, I'm available to you. 
Holy Spirit, help me in times of temptation. Even in the the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Can we allow the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, I've come in on a Sunday morning. My heart is heavy. My heart is broken. I'm weary. The Holy Spirit is so good to us. He'll heal us. He'll save us. He'll redeem us. He'll speak to us. Oh, he's so good. Come on, can we find a place, First Assembly? Let's just find a place. And as we come, can we lift up our hands to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? He is so good. He's so faithful. Yes, Lord.